We're on. We're on. We're on. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Two truths and a lore. I'm Isabella. That's Dee Dee. Yep. Getting right to it. Yeah, that's right. Um, this week we're doing another show, another theme. I'm excited about this one. This is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, sibling murderers. Yeah. Um, we both have siblings and we felt like, you know. Sometimes. We've, we've, you know, we've had the conversation with our siblings, you know. What if we just kind of pack up and start murdering, murdering a bunch of people? Yeah. Keeping it all in the family. Yeah. Like, Bonnie and Clyde, but, like, siblings. You but know? siblings. Siblings. The sibling version of Bonnie and Clyde. Um, so yeah. We're, that's the... So get ready, because these are, these are some great siblings. See. I mean, family of the, of the year. <laughs> right here. Siblings of the year. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, um, knock it out. So, um, really early in the year, in January 1964, a woman named Catalina Ortega, um, goes to the judicial police office in Lyon, Guanajuato. Okay. And she's really shaken, she's really scared, um, there, they can see that she's been abused, and, like, she's, like, sickly and malnourished. And she starts to tell the police officers um, that a town nearby, San Pancho, um, that there is sort of this, like, concentration camp slash, like, brothel. And, like, that's where she came from. What, what, what? So, this is, like, the sort of, after after she goes into the police office, this, this opens up. Um, an investigation um, on um, Delfina Maria de Jesus Carmen and Maria Luisa Gonzalez Venezuela, Valenzuela. Um, Wow, that's a hell of a name. Four sisters. Oh, those are four different people you just said? Yep. Oh my god, okay. Delfina. Oh, Maria. Okay. Carmen. Carmen. And the other Maria. Oh my god. Did you think it was like one person? Yeah. That made it. <laughs> what do you no. notice? No, yeah, no. I okay, no. okay, so four sisters. Okay. Oh. So, man. yeah. Okay. So, backtracking. These four women were born in El Salto de Juana Catalan. Catalan? Catalan? Yeah. Are we in Spain right now? No, we're in Mexico. Okay, okay. Catalan is a region in Spain, but that's. No, right. no, no, not. Okay, okay, okay. We're in Mexico. Uh, in, um,. Uh, in which is in Jalisco. Oh yeah, Jalisco. Excuse my pronunciation. No, you're Y'all, fine. I don't know. Um, they were really poor. Um, their dad, uh, his name was Isidro Torres. Uh, he was abusive. No shocker there. Oh man. Really like militant in his uh, parenting. He was a part of the rural police during the uh, Porfirio Diaz days. So I'm assuming okay. he was sort of like a, one of the mayors or something okay. in the town um and so their dad was in charge of, of riding through town to make sure everything was okay so this was like this was like way back when yeah um and uh so he was like violent and you know abuse of power he killed a dude sort of like the wild west but in mexico but in mexico yeah wild mexico. when his uh daughters you know like did teenage shit like wore makeup or wore like inappropriate, I'm putting that in quotations, clothing, um, he would lock them up in the town jail to teach oh. them a lesson. 
Okay. So that's All what right. we're working on. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so basically, uh, Isidro shoots this man. He gains a lot of like enemies from that, and okay. he takes his wife and his, uh, their daughters, um, and they relocate uh, to San Francisco del Ricon in Guanajuato. Okay. Which was called San Pancho by the locals. Okay. Um, as the sisters get older, um, they're kind of obviously getting an understanding of like they're being like from a you know like a poor background um and they were you know inspired to open up businesses to make money good for them yeah so um they opened up a saloon in san pancho Mm -hmm. pancho um and while it you know it's a bar in a very small poor town in mexico so it doesn't make a lot of money but they were able to you know make enough money to eat yeah but that just wasn't enough for these sisters, um, and they decided, you know, let's venture into sex work. <clears throat> okay. Um, they decided that they would kind of get into this, see what happens. So they start to bribe, you know, like local people. Men. Yeah, officials um, with money or, you know, sex. Um, and with that, uh, they opened up brothels in uh, San Francisco del Rincon, Purissima del Rincon, I don't know where any of these places are, and Leon in Guanajuato. Okay, so kind of and, all around the area. Yeah. Well, and then another one in San Juan del Rio. So they're popping up brothels all over the place. So Carmen, Delfina, and Maria de Jesus, who was called Chewy. Oh. um, Yeah, so they operated those brothels in Guanajuato and Jalisco, Mm -hmm. while um, Maria Luisa, Mm -hmm. also known as Eva the Leggy One. The Leggy One? Mm -hmm. Oh, showing a little leg. Maybe she might be tall. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, she ran her bar slash brothel near the Mexican border. So the sisters all together bought a bar in Lagos, um, from a man nicknamed El Pocianchi. And the nickname got passed on to the sisters, and they were called Las Pocianchis. Um, they did not like that nickname. Oh, okay. So, they did not like it. They did not. We do not know why because we do not speak Spanish. <laughs> they, yeah, right. I tried to look up what it was oh, and okay. I couldn't, and you couldn't find it. Huh. Um, it's noted here that the old bar owner was a gay man, so I don't know if it's so, sort of something oh, related to that. Oh, a gay connotation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the four of them were like, no, we don't want that. But that's what they were called. Um, and if you type in Las uh, Poquianchas, yeah. um, their stuff will come up. I wonder if it's like... One of those things where people who speak Spanish are listening and they're like, please stop saying this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we keep on saying it. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Please, please stop, stop saying it. it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, no, maybe I'm kidding. It's, I'm not. No, 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 but yeah. like, maybe it is. Maybe like, like, you know, like the F word or something, yeah, or something yeah. like that. And I'm yeah. like, just saying it like a dumbass. I have no idea if that's no. the case. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything. So basically, um, you know, they opened up their spots. Everything's, you know, working out for them. Um, 
they, what they did was they would kind of like go along the countryside and they would go to ranches in Guanajuato, um, or Jalisco, um, and all these different areas and find like the prettiest, like youngest girls they could find. So what they would tell them was like, um, we can offer you a job in Guadalajara or Leon uh, as a maid, as a waitress. Like we have these businesses, yeah. like come with us. And they're women, so yeah. you know you You're believe them. them exactly. Yeah. And of course, these girls are young and poor, poor. and and they want to get out, and they're being sold, you know, this idea of like getting yeah. a job in a big city, making money. So they would go. Um, and sometimes if that didn't work, um they would just snatch girls and that kind of happened as well so they would just get abducted yeah um so uh at the time this is all happening um one of the sisters carmen dies of cancer so carmen's out okay we're down to three down to three so um at the uh, Guadalajara de Noche and Barca de Oro bars, um, the girls would be put to work. Okay. So these were like bars, and then in the back was brothels. Was the brothel. Yeah. So the prettiest girls would be like saved for people who had the most money, um, and they would pay obviously more money for girls who were, you know, had never had sex before or yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, there was obviously lots of them were, they were all raped, frankly, because I'm sure yeah. they were all underage, so, yeah. um, uh, they got, in, they were kind of, you know, intimidated and threatened and, um, they would get, like, ice water showers oh. as initiation, like, so oh. basically this is what's gonna happen and, like, we own you and, like, don't fuck up because if you think this is bad, like, wait till you, you know, yeah. try something. Uh, and the girls uh, obviously were completely under the ownership of um, the sisters, and they would have to buy everything through the the Gonzalez sisters. Um, so basically, the sisters bribed again officials and all that stuff, so they you know got to do whatever they wanted, and they would you know serve these cops and whoever. So they never really had to deal with. Uh, you know. Well, there's, yeah, no consequences. Right. No repercussions are safe from the law. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, the, one of the women, Delfina, her son, uh, his name was Ramon Torres, or El Tepo. He was sort of like the bodyguard, so he would keep the girls, like, in check. Um, and, you know, made sure that everything kind of, like, stayed in place. Um, and... They, they were obviously, like I said, they were never allowed to go outside, and the sisters made sure, you know, they followed all these rules. And a man named Zuniga, or the Black Eagle, was also kind of, like, worked with them, and, and they'll come into play later, but, you know, made sure that these girls were doing what they were supposed to be doing. So, uh, if a girl got pregnant, which clearly would happen, yeah. um, she would get beaten, they would abort the fetus, and they would take the fetuses out and put them in the backyards of the brothels or take them back to the sister's main ranch um, and bury them. What century is this? This is 1960-something. 
Oh my god, I thought it was the 1800s. No, this was in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is very recent. Um, So if a girl got sick or, you know, couldn't function or an STD, um, she got locked in a room, starved to death, um, or they would have the other girls beat her to death. Oh, like hazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yep. So the Black Eagle, that dude that I was telling you yeah. about earlier, um, and the sister's uh, chauffeur would take the bodies, burn them, oh. or bury them in these mass graves. Oh, so they were tyrants. They were horrible. Yeah. And um, the reason why I chose the story uh, is because when men would come with a lot of cash... Uh, that they could tell that they were rich or whatever, they, the scissors wouldn't even, like, allow them in. They would just kill them on sight and take their money. Oh, <laughs> shit. And I had, I saw that before I read everything else that they did, and I was like, these sound like, like, people that I want to hang with. And yeah. I was like, nope, I don't. No. I don't, but I thought it was, like, funny this that they were like, oh, you're rich, horrible. we're murdering you. Yo, See you later. Take all your money. Bye, bitch. So, in 1963, uh, El Tepo, the son gets into an argument with uh, Lagos de Moreno, um, and he gets shot, killed, inside Uh one of the brothels. Uh Uh-oh. The police close it down, and um, apparently Delfina, you know, freaks out, and she orders Zuniga, the eagle, um, to track down these cops who killed her son. Uh-oh. And so he killed all the cops that were involved. Oh, my God. Yeah, he went out, found them, and just murdered them. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, well, here we go. We got some Godfather shit going on. Here. <laughs> right? Godmother. So, in January 1964, um, one of the sisters, like, girls, one of the, the workers, um, she escapes and... Um, she gets through a small opening in the wall, leaves. Zuniga tries to find her, can't find her. And that's when that woman that I was talking about earlier goes to the police files a complaint. Shit. Yeah. Um, she got lucky because the police officer that she ended up talking yeah. to was not on the payroll of these sisters. So Thank she just God. happened to luck out. Yeah. Or else she would have been done for. Right. So, uh, January 14th, 1964, they raid the Loma del Angel Ranch, which is the main ranch. The sisters were all dressed in black because they were still mourning El Tepo's being murdered. Um, and they were, you know, wearing shawls. And, uh, they, the police take them out. Um, and so you can, like, you know, see, like, visuals, pictures of that. Um, and, uh, they get... Uh, sorry, we have loud neighbors upstairs. They get, uh, paraded out through the ranch. All the villagers see them, and they're like, you know, fuck these people. They need to get lynched. Oh, no. Um, Oh, God. And. 1960s Mexico. Yeah. And police and reporters find dozens of, like, you know, women at the ranch, and they're locked in a room, you know, like, all trying to hide them all, and they're all obviously emaciated and very dirty and, like, very, like, it's a sad situation. Uh, So they, um, 
kind of ask the girls where if anybody they can find anybody else and the girls point to different spots in the ground where they could find the bodies that were yeah, buried. Yeah, you can say all the bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So they start to dig, um, and they find uh, bodies of at least 91 women, 91? men, and fetuses. So oh, okay, combo. Okay. fetuses back, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So um, uh, there's obviously a lot of publicity of, around this arrest, and they're being guarded by, like, the military. They get taken to a jail in uh, San Francisco del Rincon, but... Um, because the whole town was like, fuck these, you know, women, yeah. like, get them out of here. A judge sent them to Irapuato, Irapuato city. Um, and it's even a worse jail. Oh, <laughs> and, God, yeah. yeah it's I don't just think Mexican like, jails are really good. Yeah. So, um, a week later, Maria Luisa Gonzalez Valenzuela goes to... Uh, a Mexico police station turns herself in because she's worried she's going to get lunched. So they, because they originally arrested the two. Oh, and the then third she, one right. was off doing her own thing. Yeah, and so she was like, fuck, like, I'm going to, I don't want someone else to kill me. Um, however, she thought that she was immune. I'm sorry. Um, nope, that's not the way this works. And uh, a judge decided to grant her immunity. No, what? Just because from... she thought... <laughs> The charges her sisters faced, but when she arrived in uh, Irapuato, she was also arrested. Oh, and okay. then they started, they were on trial. Um, so, obviously, all of the people who work there, you know, you know, corroborated and accused them of, you know, rape, murder, extortion. Yeah. Um, they said that the women forced... They said that the women were dabbling in Satanism, which oh. I believe you on that one, because yeah. how else could you perform all this stuff and not be, you know, into the devil's work? Um, they said they forced the women to practice sexual acts on animals, which I can't even... I'm oh, not even just going to move around. That And um, they, you know, killed and tortured dozens of young girls and all the Johns and all that shit. Um... And they also said that Delfina, Maria Luisa, and Maria de Jesus bribed a bunch of local and state authorities. And they also said a bunch of these people were regulars. Um, So the trial was a scene, and uh, there was, like, yelling and insults, like, that back and forth from the sisters and, like, people in the, you know, like, watching the trial. So they were, like, yelling at people. So they just allowed that, yeah. I don't know. So, um... That's true. That's going to help your case here. That's going to help your reputation. So, all in all, a judge sentenced the three sisters to 40 years in prison. That's it? That's all you get for running the country's, like, one of the country's most elaborate fucking brothel... I know. ...human trafficking... I know. So, Delfina was uh, the oldest. She ended up losing it. She thought she was going to get murdered in jail. But she and, was. Right. And um, on October 17th in 1968, she's, like, in her little oh. cell or whatever. In her area, she's, like, screaming, you know, ranting. And there were workers that were above her in, in their, like, her cell. Okay. yeah. Um, and they could hear her. And uh, they looked down and um, accidentally dropped a bucket of cement on her head and they killed her. No, they did not. <laughs> 
What the fuck? Just dropped a big old bucket right on her head. Kaplat. She's done. Mm-hmm. That is, we, we do know that's not how she died, right? Oh, what'd you say? That's like a total cover-up. Well, yeah. So, that's, that's, that's that. I mean, it's a great cover-up. It's one of the best that I've heard. Oh. Um, cement bucket to the head. Cement bucket to the head. I'm okay with it, but no, she was fucking murdered. But yeah. go ahead. So, Maria Luisa, Eva, the leggy one. The uh, leggy one! She dies alone in her cell um, mm. at the Irapuato jail um, on November 19th, 1984. So, a lot of time had passed. Yeah. Um... You know, they found her body the next day, but her body was already eaten by rats. Oh, God. Yep. yep. Within a day? uh Uh-huh. So you gotta know that jail is shitty as fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, Maria de Jesus. That's uh, the craziest part of this whole thing. I know. I know. It's crazy. The rat situation. What the fuck? Rats. Rats will fuck So I feel like you, if you're in jail there, you're like fighting the rats off. I'm sure. They're gonna get you when you're asleep. Yeah. They're coming for you. Continue on. No, it's fine. Um, so the other Maria, uh, she was the youngest one, and uh, she's the only one who got freed. Oh. So we don't know why she was freed, but she was. So her sentence, she, I mean, they must have some obviously equivalent of parole or something, but whatever. She left or was bribed or got yeah. out of there somehow. And... Um, Basically, never seen again. The legend is that she met a an older man in prison, and when they both got out, um, they decided to get married and live kind of on, you know, their own and leave their old lives behind. Um, the basically in two thousand two, so. You know, very Good recently, later, yeah. yeah, workers uh, were clearing this land for a new housing development, which is like, how about we don't? It's going to be haunted. Not ever do that. Yeah, because that'll be the next episode. Right, in uh, the one in uh, uh, Purisma, um, so which was down the street from the big ranch where they found all oh, the bodies. Okay, okay. They found the remains of about twenty skeletons in a pit. So that's all those years later. Um, have they not checked out all the properties? They didn't. Moment, they didn't. Right, they didn't. So this was, you know, just kind of like another um, plot that they found, which raises the murder count to over 110 people. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of like where what that... What the fuck? Yeah. I'm sorry, so two questions. What Do you know what year she got out, the youngest? Uh, uh yep. Yeah. In, oh no, I don't. I don't. I wonder if it was a long time or a little time. I think it was around the time that her sister, somewhere after her her youngest sister died. Leggy. So after November 19th, 18, 1984. Okay, it was like after the that. Yeah. Also, she met this man in jail, so women and men are in the same jail. I that don't is know crazy how that to me. works. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's, there, aren't there jails where there is that separation? Like, it's a big jail Not in there. This country. Really? There aren't any? Are there no, like, bigger, like, prisons where, like, one side is, like, all men and one I side is all women? I them in the same building. I mean, not necessarily the same building, but it's it's a one prison where there's different... You gonna look it up? Well, I'll let you look it up, and I'll just finish off my story. Um, Sorry, but hang on. No, you're fine. Did you I find was it? Having, can men and women be in the same in it bed? Can men and women be in the same bed? <laughs> no. <laughs> Go on. Finish your story. No, it's fine. Um, 
Yep. So basically, uh, this was like around like a a 13 year racket of time that they were doing this and running these various brothels and kind of just doing whatever they wanted. And, you know, that's a shit. They just, they talk through a yawn. It's okay. They, um, they got away with it for a long, long time. And, you know, so we had Carmen die and then we had the other sisters continue on and, Again, no one knows the whereabouts of the last sister, but she did get out early, so she's the last living, you know, last living one. For all we know, she's like 107, and she's kicking it somewhere she in Mexico. Be, dude, you don't even yeah. fucking know. Um, nope, none, none, no prisons in this country like that. Damn. No. Well, there you go. Okay, well then I guess... Hey, that's... that was great, man. Good job. I can't believe I haven't heard of that before. Like, just the fact that there's this ranch and there's, like, all these bodies that are still being found or could be found if they mm-hmm. did the other places. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I also want to know, like, I'm sure out of the four sister, there was definitely a one ringleader. Uh, that was a ringleader. For sure. And I wonder which one it was. I wonder if it's the one that died from cancer, because then things started to Carmen. go shit. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, like, again, it's very clear that their childhood was fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. And so, like, Dad clearly had something to do with that. Yeah. Uh, not that he can... Uh, well, he did. He murdered someone and got away with it, so yeah. they saw that and uh, learned that you apparently can do that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of that Until going get... on in that time in Mexico. Oh, yeah, I mean... Bribery yeah. and... It goes on everywhere. Let's not act like we don't have that shit in oh, Mexico. Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> but we're talking 1960s, and it was very much the wild. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, again. I honestly thought it was in the 1800s. Yeah, no, it was in the. Sorry, that I'm clarifying. That was fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. No. No. That just tells you how. That's how wild that shit was. wild. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, well, I'm going to switch gears on you guys. Um, <laughs> okay. I found an interesting story of some siblings, and uh, they're actually twins, and that was not my intention. But uh, given the nature and personalities of these two, I just had to go forward with the, with their story because it's just so great. I'm going to be talking to you about the Spahalski, the Spahalski brothers, twins rather. So, <clears throat> Robert and Stephen Spahalski were born on December 12th, 1954 in Elmira, New York. Didn't even know there was a place called Elmira, New York, which we just <laughs> talked about, but... Yeah, they were. Um, the two brothers were inseparable in their youth, as twins are, um, and also in their crime sprees. <laughs> they uh, had, they just loved to challenge each other to, like, stealing shit when they were kids. Um, you know, and it just started off, like, with petty things, you know, like toys, blah, 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 and then books, and da, 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 and going on and on. Um, and they just were very competitive with one another, and, um... You know, the items got bigger and bigger to, to robbery and whatnot. Now, the, um, the story's not too clear, but at, uh, at some point in the early 1970s, the very early 1970s, the family moves to Rock, Rochester, Rochester. Rochester, New York, from Elmira. Also, in 1970s, uh, actually in 1971, 16-year-old Stephen <laughs> outdid Robert no. big time. Stephen goes off and he kills a store owner. He stabs oh, him to death. No, simply because the man, and I quote, deserved it. Oh, Stephen. And so begins the downward spiral. 
So, Stephen murders someone, and he goes to jail for it. Meanwhile, Robert becomes addicted to crack, and, you know, becomes a serial killer. No big deal. Oh my god. So, um, okay, we've got, we've got, um, we're gonna be telling the story mostly of Robert, because Stephen's in jail for fucking murdering someone at the age of 16, <laughs> so he's gone for the most part, and we just have Robert, who is just a goddamn mess. Okay. Robert, Robert, Robert. Robert. <laughs> okay, now. In, no, okay, in 2005... Robert Spahalski walks into police headquarters and said that he had battered and strangled Vivian Irizari, who was 54. And now Robert's an older man at this point because they were born in 54. In, oh, weird. 1954. Um, so what are they in their like 20s? No, no. He turned himself in in 2005. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is so a that long he's like 60 something. Yeah, he's in his 60s. So, okay, so he walks into um, police headquarters and says that he, um, he strangled Vivian, uh, who was a friend who lived in an adjoining apartment. So, uh, he's there, he's at the police station, and the police are like, okay, Robert, like, you know, thanks for the confession. And they start kind of questioning him, and, um they realize that there's more going on with Robert than meets the eye. And uh, they they really start to, to really lay into him. Um, so they figure out, they get him to confess because it's Robert and he's addicted to crack. And we later find out that he was high when he came into the police station. Well, there's no surprise there. Mm -hmm. That he confesses to a murder that happened uh, 15 years before prior in 1990 he had strangled moraine armstrong who was 24 at the time on new year's eve in 1990 um so apparently what had happened was moraine demanded um okay so i guess the two the two had shared a hundred dollars worth of cocaine that night and then they had sex and she had demanded money for the sex but he said this means, no, I'm not going to pay you for the sex. We just had $100. We just threw a bunch of lines together. Yeah, we just did $100 worth of coke together. Like, I'm not going to pay you for that. And then as he quotes, as he says, I choked her out. Robert. Robert. I'm not laughing at the victim. I'm honestly, I can't handle Robert's cracked out confession. Jesus, It's Robert. just the wildest thing. So, Robert choked her out and killed her. That was back in 1990. No one... No one caught on to him. No one knew that he did it. How? I don't know. Great police work, New York. <laughs> you could honestly use SVU. Get Olivia out there. Get Olivia. Fucking shit. So, um, so like, okay, Robert, like, you murdered someone in 1990, you've murdered someone in 2005, like, what have you been doing in the 15 years since then? And Robert's like, oh, nothing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But Robert keeps talking. Damn. Damn is right. 
Did Robert. they, like, tell him, like, you should get a lawyer or anything? Or? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that. Okay. Robert's lawyer is not happy with Robert. <laughs> Later on. <laughs> so, I um, was, Can I just make a guess? Did his, like, drugged out ass say, like, no, I don't need a lawyer. Like, I'm good. Let me just tell I, you that. Uh, no, I don't think he okay. ever says that. But, okay. but there's some issues with what happened. Okay. There are. Um, so, they keep him talking. Robert just keeps going. Robert then admits that he also strangled another woman named Adrian Berger, uh, who was 35, um, the next year in 1991. So his first murder was in 1990, then he strangled his girlfriend. Wait, why was he hella old killing people? Well... Wait, when he, were they born? In the 50s? Yeah. Yeah, so it was like 40-something? Yeah, in the 90s. murdering yeah. people? Yeah. Jesus Christ. yeah. He was late to the game. He wasn't like his brother, Stephen. He wasn't, you're right, right. So. Um, okay, so he murders his girlfriend, Adrian Berger, in her apartment in July 1991. And they're like, wow, Robert, like, what the fuck, dude? Wait, so, was he communicating with his brother while his brother was in jail? So his brother, so, okay, so his brother was harder to find out about. Um, His brother didn't do, obviously, anything. As much. As much as Robert, but... Um, Stephen went to jail. I don't know what how long his sentence was, but then yeah. he I think he got out and he and it says he was in and out of jail for quite some time. Oh shit. So I think he was doing like robbery and those kinds of things. I'm just was, curious if like, you know, and they, was telling him yeah. what was going on or Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait for it cuz it's fucking brilliant. So, they're like, "Jesus, Robert, like 1990, 1991." And I was like, "Yep." 3 months after I killed Adrian, um, I beat to death Charles Grand, who was 40. So, still in 1991. 1991 was a rough year for Robert. Two murders, one year. This is, this is, this is the surprising part of this. So, Robert said he had had sex with Charles on three occasions in return for drug money. And then killed uh, Charles, who was a landscape company owner. In his bedroom when he short-changed him. So, so Robert, our guy, is um, selling himself for sex. Okay. With a man by the name of Charles Grant. I'm so sorry, Charles Grant. You probably didn't want anyone to know this. No, you probably didn't. And then, fucking Robert had to go off and kill you. (laughs) And here we are talking about you on our podcast. (laughs) So, so yeah, so Robert loses it, fucking kills him with a hammer beats the shit out of him to death with a hammer oh, no. because he didn't pay him what he thought he deserved. Yeah. Robert then proceeded to steal about $1,000 in cash from the suburban home and fled in Charles's fucking car. And yet the police still could not find out anything. So then Robert lays, like, apparently just lays low from 91 to 2005 when he fucking lost it again and, you know, killed Oh, yeah. Um, Vivian. Okay, so... The, uh, so we've got a confession, right? We've got four murders out of Robert, and he's like, that's all I got. So we're going to court. Robert's charged with four counts of second-degree intentional murder plus an extra count of felony murder while committing a robbery, uh, which I'm assuming has to do with Charles and the $1,000 he stole in cash. I don't know. But he does have four counts against him, so the four people. Now, <clears throat> oddly enough, 
I think it's strange. Uh, maybe it's not actually. Stephen's at the trial, so Stephen goes to goes to he's court. Going to support Roro. He's going, he, but he's not. Apparently, he displayed no emotion. He sipped water from a plastic cup, and um, glanced briefly at the ju- jury foreman as the verdict was being read. I'm not going to tell you the verdict. Um, so Stephen's just kind of chill. Interesting. At the um, at the uh, court case, he even tells a reporter. I quote, I thought I was the only murderer in the family. Okay, so that leads me to believe that they weren't communicating then while Stephen was in jail. Or I could see Robert just being like such a fucking mess that they are communicating and it's just, I'm not going to tell my brother. Right. Because nobody fucking caught on. You know? Yeah. Like, what if Stephen went to jail... You know, he's in and out of jail, goes to jail, and he's like, hey, I can help you out. Like, you know, will you cut my sentence if I tell you about this murder? Yeah. And then sell his brother out. I mean, obviously, they're both pieces of shit. Right, right. Shit. I mean, that's interesting, though, because, like, twins are, you know, you you think it'd be a different dynamic there. No. So, Ken Highland is the prosecutor. And during the trial, he says that these were very violent crimes. Um that Robert beat somebody to death with a hammer and that he strangled the others with ropes and wires. So um, I think he strangled one of them with an electric cord. It's very, very gruesome. He said, I think um, Mr. Spahalski should never see the light of day again. Um, And he wanted to seek consecutive sentences on each count, which would be a maximum of 125 years to life in prison. Now now here's the defense's story. Oh, no. They say... That Spahalski had been a cocaine addicted, uh, had been a cocaine addict his entire adult life, and was suffering from extreme emotional disturbance. Which I, I believe, like, I mean, when you do a drug for fucking thirty years, like, it's gonna have an effect on your brain. Did he even have a nose at that point? I mean, Jesus Christ! Oh, you should see the pictures okay. of both of these men. Horrible. Do you have pictures in front of you or no? Mm, I don't. I'll show you later. Okay. So, um, okay, so, you know, extreme emotional disturbance. His attorney, Joseph D'Amelio, acknowledges that Spakalski told officers at the police station's front desk that he had killed um, Irizari, the woman, uh, and that, you know, he had killed the woman a few days earlier and had dumped her body in the basement. But the attorney argued that Spakalski was high on crack cocaine during all of the slangs and couldn't form the intent to kill. So, kind of like pleading insanity, in a way. This is is weird. His attorney then places two bags of cocaine on the rail of the jury box and says, The demon's here, and it affected his mind. He put actual bags? He put actual bags of cocaine. Where he got them, I don't... Yeah, let's maybe talk about that, Mr. Fucking Attorney. Where'd Where'd you get those motherfuckers? Also, like, did he take them off then? Like, where did he put them? I hope he can put them in his pocket. Yeah, like, where, where did like, he go where, after Like, that? that's just awkward. Yeah. That is we- that's that's weird. That's fucking weird. So, apparently, Robert had been interrogated for 12 straight hours without access to medications he takes four times a day there for mental go. health problems. There you go. Uh, D'Amelio, cocaine fucking attorney, <laughs> adds, uh, saying that, like, you know, this confession... I don't even know if it was voluntary. Like, he's coming down off of coke. He doesn't have his mental meds. 
Now, the prosecutor's saying, like, given the brutality of the crimes and Spahalski's detailed description of how he did it, um, showed beyond doubt that he knew what he was doing. Right. Um, so this, this, this is one of my favorite parts about Spahalski. <laughs> uh, police said that during the questioning, um, he had confessed to the three murders and was, I guess, they were waiting on the fourth. Um... And Spahalski was extremely reluctant to admit to a fourth murder. Like, he was very, you know, forthcoming and blah, blah, blah. But the fourth one, like, he was like, no, he couldn't do it. And his reasoning was, in his mind, and I quote, um, he had fixed it in his mind that a fourth murder would mean that he was a serial killer. Okay, you fucking psycho ass. But one, two, and three, you're just a murderer. Like, you're good to go. You can explain that to people. But you know, serial killer, he didn't want that label. Well, what uh, what number does make you a serial killer? Like, what is it? Is it four? I guess so. Might be. I mean, Robert might be onto something there. <laughs> right? There's a number where you get a dent, right? I mean, I think it's there's a number pattern, behavior, though. right? It's a pat. There has to be a pattern. Like his pattern is that he's strangling everybody. Charles was a fool with the fucking hammer, but right. So I think if you do two in there, like a pattern, that's that a serial counts. killer. Okay, that counts. Okay. If you kill more than once and there's a pattern to it, I think. Do not quote me on this, you guys. I'm sorry, but... That's great. I love it. Well, it took the jury less than two and a half hours to find him guilty of all yeah. four charges. Yeah. So, it's... I mean, they've kind of flip-flopped. Steven, who was went to jail first, is out living his life. And okay. Robert is in jail forever. Shit. Starting in 2006. Shit. And those are the Spahalski brothers. You can find out more about them on ID, Evil Twins. Their What's episode up? is called Bad Seeds. Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly was kind of just surprised that they were from New York. Yeah. You know? Weird. Yeah. And, like, you look at them and they just look fucked. Like, Do you have a picture? Show me. Okay. You look at them and they look like um, from those ads that the police put out. Yeah, like, like before and after. Like, this is the yeah, face of, like, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's fucking bad. Okay, let me see. Because I know it's small, but look at them. And I don't know who's who. Uh, I'm going to venture and say that's probably Robert. That's Cokehead and that's Steven? Yeah. Ew. They're both fucking disgusting. Oh, my God. They just, like, time has not done well for them. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, this guy's kind of got a nose, though. Yeah, but the other one doesn't really look like he looks less, you know. I think this must be Robert, yeah. Yeah. Because there's more pictures of him and Steven didn't do. I mean, Steven. Ooh. Killed one guy. God. And there is apparently a really good book about a killer twins by Michael About Benson. the two of them? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can read his confession and it was apparently really gruesome, so. Ooh, probably. Yeah, I mean, I guess cocaine, you know. <laughs> Hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. Um... So that's that's it for sibling murderers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Hey, I well. We'll see you next time. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, guys. make sure to like us on Instagram. Email us. You can even Facebook us <laughs> if you really want. Um, but thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Uh, bye.